Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, there you go. We want to welcome you to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island. Got some announcements that we're going to give today. First of all, we want to welcome George Wilkes back to the pulpit. Um, Ashley is out on educational uh, training, continuing education this week, so we wish her safe travels. We thank you, George, for being here. Uh, we'd love to welcome first-time visitors. Um, if you are a first-time visitor, we've got a special gift. I'll tell you a little more about the church and uh, a welcome bag. So if you raise your hand, we've got some ushers that will bring you those bags. So raise your hand if you're a first-time visitor. Here's some here. Here's one over here. Anyone else? That everybody? <clears throat> Should you need a restroom while you're today, there's one back in the corner here underneath the stairwell. Also, there are friendship registers in your pew. Um, please sign them, pass them to your neighbor so we can have a listing of who's attendance today. We have a nursery here at the church for children ages six and under. You can go to the nursery anytime, particularly after the children's service that's over in the fellowship hall. The flowers today are given to us in the glory of God by Glenda Pate in memory of her husband, Alan. The Mission and Worship Committee will meet separately today, immediately following worship. Today also at 3 o'clock is a free concert that will be offered here at the Sanctuary by the Chamber of Music of Charleston. The Stitch Sisters will meet in the library on Tuesday at 10 o'clock. The Adult Choir will meet in the Sanctuary Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Fresh Express returns to its market-style in our parking lot on Thursday, beginning at 1 o'clock. Please bring reusable bags and get some free produce. You can contact Bonnie or Brenda if you would like to help. They could always use your help. Um, I'd like to remind people that the Revelation class that Bill Johnson is teaching continues at 9 o'clock every Sunday. Um, if you haven't gotten a book and you're a member, we have more books to offer. Everybody in the church is offered a book. You also can join virtually by um, Zoom. We have a new piece of technology that we're still kind of working on that you're able to uh, watch the study and you can join us at any time. Don't feel like if you missed a Sunday you can't join us. I also want to welcome people on live stream today. Um, we've had up to 40 people on any given Sunday that have been joining us virtually, which is a great way to um, view the sermon and uh, the messages given out virtually, especially for homebound folks, people that aren't able to make it, church visitors that go back home. We have people today from uh, Ohio, Oklahoma, and some other states that are tuning in, so that's another opportunity to uh, participate if you can't be here. Now I'm going to ask Anna Robinson to come. She's got a special announcement. speaking on behalf of the preschool. So the preschool is going to again host the yard sale that we used to do several years ago. Um, I know that most of you are aware that the church does um, house a preschool. And the money from the preschool um, yard sale will be used for like special projects that the, just didn't have in the budget to do during the regular year or to help fund the scholarships that we do offer for um, the preschool students. Um, if you're interested in helping with the yard sale, please let me know. We are looking for people who will be cashiers. Um, we also look for people who will help load 
objects. Um, sometimes we do get large furniture pieces donated. And we are also looking for people who help kind of clean up at the end and help anything that is get anything that's left loaded and taken over to Habitat or to Goodwill. So the preschool yard scale will be June the 11th from 8 to 12. Um, if you have questions, you can ask me or contact the church office or ask to speak to Chrissy Shaw, who's our preschool director. You can start bringing items um, the Tuesday after Memorial Day because we will be housing those in the preschool classrooms until time for the yard sale. So we're waiting for them to get out. If you do have large items like furniture that you're willing to donate, please wait and bring those until right before the yard sale, like maybe June the 9th, because those will have to be housed in the fellowship hall. Okay? And if you, again, if you're interested in signing up or volunteering to be a cashier or a loader, please let me know or let the church office know. Thanks. Now let us attune our hearts to worship as we hear the prelude. Please stand and join me in the call to worship you'll find in your bulletin. As the sun rises in the morning, from the highest mountains to the deepest seas, God alone makes all things new. pray. Gracious and loving God, you meet us where we are. We gather together from many walks of life, but we are unified as one heart in the body of Christ. 
In our time of worship, open our ears to hear your voice, open our eyes to see your glory, open our minds to receive your words, open our hearts to perceive your presence. Amen. Let's remain standing and sing hymn number 455, All Creatures of Our God and King, verses 1, 2, 4, and 5.
please be seated. All creatures, your creator, bless and worship God in humbleness. In humility, we come before God, recognizing that we are part of a broken creation, and yet also that God in God's goodness has given in God's grace his son through whom we have forgiveness for that brokenness and healing through his grace. And so let us come before God in confession, recognizing our need for forgiveness and our dependence upon that grace. Let us pray together. God of mercy, your command to love one another across all differences opens us to new horizons, yet we often respond with fear and judgment that hinders your goal for humanity. Forgive our sins, we pray, and give us a true repentance that leads to life for all creation. We pray in Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. stand for the assurance of pardon. Friends, know that God's promises are trustworthy and true. Your sins are forgiven. Be at peace to serve the Lord, and may you always be known by your love. Amen. Please bow for the prayer of illumination. Holy God, long ago you called your church to love beyond all social and cultural differences. 
and gave them the gift of your Holy Spirit to open their hearts to enact such love. Give us that same spirit of openness that we too might discern new directions as we again hear your word and then dream and work to reconcile and heal all creation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's gospel reading is John 13, 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of God has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You, should, you also should love one another. But by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. We now invite the children of the church to join me here at the front of the sanctuary for a special time. I don't know if we have many here today. <laughs> and two brave souls. <laughs> Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. My name is George.
New Testament reading for today is found in the 11th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. We begin reading with verse 1. Listen now for the word of God. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house saying, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? that I could hinder God. When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Folks in the South are serious about what they eat. This is especially true of barbecue. Where I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, when you eat barbecue, it is probably going to be beef, smoked beef brisket. As an innocent child, I was moved by my parents to Decatur, Georgia. And there I discovered that what we were eating in Shreveport was not really barbecue, <laughs> but an abomination imported from East Texas. <laughs> I really didn't discover real barbecue until I went to Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina, or as they say in Clinton, Clinton. And of course, I found out how serious people in South Carolina were about barbecue when I discovered the war between the states, the states of ketchup base, mustard base, and vinegar base. And the skirmishes in that war 
mainly over coleslaw, creamy or vinegar, and whether or not you put your slaw on top of the barbecue or on the side. Folks in the South are serious about what they eat. It's like John Shelton Reed put it. Reed is a sociologist and author who taught at Chapel Hill. He said that barbecue is unlike grits. Grits glue the South together, if you'll excuse the image. Smoked meat, though, is a subject that folks can get excited about. You know what I mean, barbecue drives a wedge between Texas, beef, the Carolinas, pork, and completely isolates those parts of Kentucky around Owensboro, mutton. Even porcivores can't agree. Barbecue divides Western North Carolina tomato from Eastern North Carolina, no tomato not to mention from South Carolina, mustard. You might say that barbecue pits Southerners against one another, sorry. Now personally, he goes on, I don't regret these hard feelings. If they keep the South's proud local barbecue traditions alive, well, long may they wave when a Texas-style barbecue joint opened in my Carolina hometown I was delighted to see it go out of business within a year. <laughs> Not that I don't like brisket, I love it in Texas. But eating the stuff here was like drinking Dr. Pepper in Munich. Just not right. Southern barbecue is the closest thing we have in the United States to Europe's wines and cheeses. Drive 100 miles and the barbecue changes Let's keep it that way. The novelist John Edgerton summed it up when he wrote that in the golden light of a southern dawn, there comes an exhilarating moment of truth when every message of the senses is saying in unison, it's ready. And the first charred, crusty, tender smoke and sauce anointed taste of the meat confirms it. Truly, there is nothing quite so fine as genuine barbecue at the instant of its readiness. But in the commercial world, some abominable so-called meat masquerading as barbecue is being peddled out there, and the perpetrators need to be called to account using liquid smoke, gas heat, store-bought sauce, and good Lord only knows what other sacrileges these unscrupulous peddlers are hastening the death of real barbecue by giving it such a bad name that only good riddance offers any promise of relief. Folks in the South are serious about their barbecue. But folks in the South, or at least a lot of folks in the South, are, are serious about their Bible too. And folks who know the Bible know that barbecue, at least pork barbecue, ain't kosher. Meaning that it's against the Bible to eat pork. At least it was in the Bible that Jesus and Peter knew. And folks in the time of Jesus and Peter were serious about their Bible too. Remembering of course that Peter and Jesus were Jews and for first century Jews, keeping kosher was a requirement. You had to follow the dietary laws 
of the Old Testament. You could only eat what was considered to be clean. You could only eat that which had been prepared in harmony with dietary laws. And so that was an issue in the early Christian church. And the dietary customs of the early Christian church were not just matters of cultural preference. It wasn't as simple as which sauce you preferred on your barbecue. There were many folks in the first century church who figured that the good news of Jesus must only apply to good Jews who actually kept kosher. So dietary decisions weren't something to joke about. They were deeply religious decisions. And so we find that at the end of Acts 10, Peter has been hanging out with some non-Jews known as Gentiles. And he's not just hanging out with these folks, he is actually eating with Gentiles. He's staying in their homes and, and now he's friends with Simon who is a tanner. And tanners were according to the law of Moses, the Bible, tanners were considered to be unclean. And to make matters worse, not only does Peter befriend Gentiles, he baptizes them. These, these religious laws are not just small cultural differences like the differences between pork and beef barbecue, they are a big deal. They were one of the primary markers of, of what made one a good Jew or a good Christian. One's obedience to those laws marked one's faithfulness. So if you compromised on those dietary laws, who knows what you would compromise on next. And then Peter has this dream, a vision from God. He sees this huge sheet coming down from heaven with all of these, quote, unclean animals on it. And, and the boy says, eat up. And Peter says, by no means, Lord, for nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice responds, what, what God has made clean, you may not call profane. Now this is where we need to stop and give thanks to God for the day that that voice spoke to Peter. Because that voice basically said, it's now okay to eat barbecue. The greatest day in the history of the South <laughs> happened long ago in Joppa. But seriously, Peter discovered an even, deep, an even deeper and more disturbing truth. He discovered that his vision really wasn't about food. It was about people, it was about the Gentiles, it was about folks who were considered to be profane and unclean, at least in the eyes of the traditional biblical faith of Peter and his friends in the early Christian church. And so when he woke up from this trance, the people who were standing there were Gentiles, and they, they were people who he said had been sent from God to him. And with God's word about nothing I made is unclean ringing in his ears, Peter heard 
the Spirit telling him to go out with these people and to make no distinction between them and us. Peter had no idea that God could love these people. But Peter and some, some other Jewish Christians then go and preach the gospel to them. And he comes to realize that God loves all people as much and in the same way as God loves me. So who am I to hinder God? Who am I to get in the way of God's love? So this is not only the day that God declared that barbecue is okay. It is also, as one preacher put it, the day that grace hit the fan. It is the day that God's grace was spread wide. The day that grace was set free from race and rules. It was the day that Peter discovered that God had included all kinds of people in God's plan of salvation. It was the day that he was given the gift of seeing the world not through the lens of his traditional assumptions, but through the eyes of God. Peter discovered what we affirm in a great hymn that we sing from time to time, for the love of God is broader than the measures of our minds. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a wideness, kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. God has a way helping us to see things in a new way. In fact, the story of Jesus is really about just that. It's about how God, in, in God's grace, is revealing new ways of seeing things, a new way of loving humankind, all of humankind, not just one chosen race or religion of humankind through the wind of the Spirit and through the changing of the minds of folks like Peter, grace was now being blown everywhere. And the book of Acts is really the story of how the early Christian church handled the winds of change that were being blown by the Spirit. And it was not always easy. You hear that in the text that we read today where Peter is criticized. The first century church struggled with change and with inclusion and that struggle didn't end in the first century Peter is criticized because he is choosing to eat with those who are considered to be unclean or to put it another way he is criticized because he is choosing to eat with those who have not been initiated into the community of faith, the uninitiated. I was ordained to be a pastor over 40 years ago, and when I was ordained, the Presbyterian Church was actually having a similar debate. We were arguing about over whether or not to change our Constitution to allow baptized children to receive the sacrament of communion. The debate was really similar to what was being debated in the early church in Acts. Will we allow the uninitiated 
to the Lord's table? Where does the church draw the line? Well, the church eventually worked that question out. About 10 years ago, Presbyterians and other Christians too were arguing about how fully should gay and lesbian Christians be welcomed into the church and serve in the church. Again, that question, where does the church draw the line? In my experience as a pastor, I have come to learn that when the church becomes so concerned about drawing lines, becomes obsessed about who to let in and who to leave out, then the church has lost its way. It's not a good look. In my experience, the church is closer to the gospel when it is more gracious than legalistic. The church is more like Christ when it is more generous than restrictive. The church is more Christian when it is more open than closed. The church is more consistent in its message in the teaching of Jesus when it is more about redemption and less about rules. It was a tense and violent time in Oxford, North Carolina, back in the 60s. Probably not unlike what folks in Buffalo, New York are experiencing today. In his book, Blood Done Sign My Name, a writer named Timothy Tyson tells a story about the church's struggle with, with God's grace during that time, and it focuses on Tyson's father, who was a minister of the local Methodist church. Reverend Tyson had, had taken a stand against discrimination and segregation, and he had invited a black minister, the Reverend Samuel Proctor, the president of North Carolina A&T University, to come in to preach at his church. At a call meeting of the church's administrative board, some of the men angrily demanded that my father cancel Dr. Proctor's appearance the next morning. One of his adversaries kept pushing the telephone on the desk toward him saying, you can end all of this with one phone call. This thing is gonna tear this church apart. Just as the meeting threatened to dissolve in an uproar, a quiet, dignified, older woman rose to speak Miss Amy Womble was 60. An old maid school teacher, her neighbors would have said in those days. She walked with a limp. Miss Womble had been a first grade teacher to most of the people in that room. The community honored her, but nobody ever thought or had any idea of what her position was on the burning social issues of the day. I've been just sitting here sort of listening, Miss Amy said, and I hear one of us saying, this is gonna tear this church apart. She looked directly at the man who had said it. Now, I don't know the, the man who is coming very much. I know he's president of A&T, that's all I know. 
But I know our pastor, and you know him too, and he's not going to tear anything apart. And I don't suppose Dr. Proctor is going to tear anything apart either. If there's going to be any tearing done, we're going to do the tearing apart ourselves. Miss Amy slowly hobbled to the front of the room and told the silent group of her former students a story. There was a case up near Chapel Hill recently, she said, where a teenage boy went around a curve too fast and was killed in a car crash, or at least so they thought. He was down there by the side of the road and they were just waiting for the ambulance to come and to take him to the funeral home. There wasn't any signs of life. But then an airman from Pope Air Force Base stopped. He was home on furlough. And he saw the boy lying down there and he, he scrambled down the embankment and he, he opened that boy's mouth, she continued, and he, and, and he saw the boy's tongue stuck back in his throat and he ran his finger back there and pulled out that tongue, and then he gave that boy mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. By the time the ambulance got there, Miss Amy said, that boy was walking around and alive, as alive as you or me. The next week, they had a big dinner up there at the fire station out in Orange County for that airman, celebrating how he had saved that boy's life. She paused once more. What I haven't told you is that the boy who had the wreck was white, and that air, airman who saved him was a black man. But that's the truth. And I want all of you fathers to tell me something. She looked searchingly around the room now, which one of you fathers would have said to that airman, now, don't you run your black fingers down my boy's white throat? Which of y'all would have told that airman, don't you put your black lips on that boy's mouth? The administrative council voted to let Dr. Proctor preach. And later on, when Reverend Tyson returned home, his wife told him that one of the men from the meeting had, had come to the house and that he was in tears. Tyson drove straight to his house. His name was Mr. Bryan. And Mr. Bryan, his face still wet with tears, met Daddy at the door, welcoming him inside and poured him a glass of iced tea. I want to tell you, preacher, something happened to me tonight. When Miss Amy was talking, something happened that ain't ever happened before. Oh, love just came up in my heart. Bryan sobbed, and I'm going to tell you that I love you. I love Dr. Proctor. I love everybody. And then Mr. Bryan fell to his knees beside his chair. And Daddy knelt beside him and said a short prayer and went on home. You see, what happened to Peter happened to Mr. Bryan. The Spirit blew through the words of that, quote, old maid school teacher. Changed his whole perspective. Changed his heart. Because 
grace hits the fan, you never know what it's going to hit. Let us now affirm our faith. Let us stand and join together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Long ago, O oh God, you cast a vision before Peter, a vision that opened his eyes to see the others around him in a new way. his new vision, the good news of your love for all was spread. We pray, O oh God, that you would cast such visions before our eyes, that you would open our eyes to those visions that are already there before us in your word. Open our hearts, as you did Peter's, to the needs around us, the people around us. Help us, O oh God, to be in our world those who do not foster conflict and division, but instead, instead to be those who bring grace and goodness into this world, ending the walls of hostility that exist seemingly everywhere today. We do pray, O oh God, for this world. We pray for those places where there is such pain and brokenness and suffering, especially for, for the nation of Ukraine where there is destructive and deadly strife, we pray for peace in that place. We pray for all who are seeking to help those people. Be with families as they struggle to survive. Oh God, we pray for the community of Buffalo, New York as they recover from a terrible shooting. 
We pray, O oh God, that you would heal racial hatred and divisiveness in our country. It seems, O oh God, at times that it will never end. Again, may we bring those, be those who bring peace and goodness and justice into this world. We thank you, O oh God, that you have given us examples of those who have gone before us and who are present with us, who show us how to live, how to live our faith and love as we follow you. Encourage us with those examples. Help us to follow as they have. We thank you for that great communion of the saints, O oh God, both those who are already in your presence and those who are still with us. May together we be those who bring your goodness into this world. Oh God, again, we thank you for the great vision that you have given to us in Scripture, even as you gave it to Peter. May we live by that vision as we leave this place this day. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that you have taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We respond to God's goodness and grace through our, our giving. At this time, we would now receive our tithes and our offerings.
us pray. Gracious God, we pray that you would take the gifts that we have given this day and use them to your glory. We are grateful for the generosity of this congregation, for its mission and ministry in this place. Use these gifts to strengthen it in the days and weeks ahead. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Closing hymn is number 439, In Christ There Is No East Nor West. peace and serve the Lord, remembering the vision that God has cast before us all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. 